Hello, this is Professor Leslie Greifel-Tenzer, and this is Law to Fact. Today, we're talking about the most important topic, critical reading, with Professor Jane Grisset. In this episode, I'm speaking with Professor Jane Grisset. Director of Academic Enhancement and Assistant Professor of Legal Research and Writing at the University of Kentucky School of Law. She's also the author of Critical Reading for Success in Law School and Beyond, a must-read as far as I'm concerned for all law students. Professor Grisey talks about the all-important topic of critical reading and how critical reading can help you not only become a better lawyer, but become a better law student. But before we begin, a favor. As you know, we continue to do this as a labor of love, but what fuels us is the feedback. So, if you could subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and rate us, that would be awesome. We have a Facebook page now, too. And, of course, you can always reach us by emailing us at lawtofact.gmail.com or going to our website, www.lawtofact.com. All right, that's my plea. Let's get to my discussion with Professor Jane Grisey. All right, well, I'm so thrilled to have you join us. I saw the book that you wrote, Critical Reading for Success in Law School and Beyond, and I immediately knew I had to have you as a guest because I think one of the biggest problems that students have in law school is that they don't even know what critical reading is, let alone how important it is, and it's not their fault that they don't know about it. I just think it's something that schools are not necessarily focusing on, you know, high schools, colleges, as much as they did not say maybe we were students. So if someone were to say to you, what is critical reading, what would you, how would you answer them? Uh, critical reading is active reading. It's reading to uh, for a purpose and to analyze a problem and then solve a problem. And as attorneys, that is our job. Our job is to read for the purpose of solving a client's problem and then figure out what the rules are from a case and apply those to a new problem. And I, I got interested in this area mm-hmm. uh, because it is clear to me that cases are difficult for everyone to read. Uh, many law students enter law school and assume that it's going to be just as easy to read cases as it was to read their textbooks. And they are met with language that is foreign, new words, mm-hmm. uh, sentences that are really way too long, and concepts that are incomprehensible without having a dictionary next to you at all times. And uh, many law students feel that there's something wrong with them, that they are not smart enough, and that everyone else is getting this. And anything, that is just simply not the case. Um, Cases are difficult for everyone to read, even experienced lawyers. Um, And we, that is compounded by the fact that in law school we need to not only read for information, but we need to read critically so that we can solve clients' problems. So um, there's a lot going on in reading for for law school. Um, I started getting interested in this because I taught legal writing, Mm -hmm. and many of my students seem to have problems expressing themselves. And the more I investigated this, it appeared clear to me that students were not really having trouble writing. 
they were having trouble understanding what they were going to write about. So I started doing research into reading, and lo and behold, found that there were lots of research studies that had been done that showed that lawyers read differently from non-lawyers, and top law students read cases differently from lower-performing law students. So I found this very interesting. Okay. Um, you know, I just want to before before you go into that, I just want to take a step back and um, because you said very early on this idea that lawyers should read for a purpose, and actually this leads into what you just said that lawyers read differently than non-lawyers. And I guess my question for you is, and and it's interesting to see you put that way, what what do you think our purpose is? In other words, when you're reading for a purpose as a law student or even as a lawyer, is it the same purpose for both of them? And if if so, what is that purpose? The purpose for reading as a lawyer is to figure out what rules have been set out by a court and determine if those rules can be used to solve a new problem. Mm-hmm. We're not reading to memorize dates, names, usually, um, or other kinds of things. Um, as an undergraduate, very often students are required to memorize information and Reading law is just very different. And the example that, and and the way in which you read, um, the way your purpose determines how you read. So the example that I like to use is that everyone has to read a driving manual um, to get ready to take the driving test. Um, And there's two kinds of tests. One is the written test, um, which is now usually on a computer, and the other is the actual driving test. Well, you need different kinds of information that you need to pull out of that manual to pass the written test, and you need very different kinds of information to pass the actual driving test. Um, so the per- your purpose for taking a test or doing or reading really um, has a huge impact on how you're going to read material, and it's the same for lawyers and law students. Um, if your purpose was to take an exam so that you could define race judicata, um, that would be you'd, you'd go about reading in one way. If your purpose is to determine if a case um, can be used to make an argument about race judicata, you're going to go about your reading in a different way. So um, the purpose for reading is a, a really important part of um, critical reading for lawyers. And and that leads into something that's kind of been a theme for me all along. I like to say to my students, get out of your undergrad head, meaning don't think that just by purely memorizing you're going to be able to do well on an exam. To your per to your sorry, to your purpose, to your point, the way you're reading to learn how to memorize, to give back to a professor everything you learned in a lecture hall is very different than your purpose for reading to learn how to think like a lawyer, which is what we're testing. So I think that that is just an, an ideal takeaway, you know, one of, I'm sure, many to come in this conversation, which is when you sit down and read, understand why it is you're reading. Exactly, exactly. When you sit down to read, you have to intentionally, at the beginning anyway, think about what is my purpose for reading this case? What do I need to be able to do with it? And you're going to find that you're going to notice different things depending upon your purpose. So that that is really uh, correct. Great. 
All right. Well, I diverted you because that was a burning question. But let's get back to where we were, which was that you said that, that they did studies and they found that lawyers read differently than non-lawyers and law students read differently than non-law students. What's the significance of that finding? Well, the significance to me was that if we know that top students read differently than lower performing students, why don't we teach everyone the strategies that are used by the high performing students? And um, what I decided to do at that point was to assemble these strategies that high performing students used and that lawyers used and see if I could put together a system that would um, break these down into manageable steps so that law students could learn these strategies and then become more effective readers. So I, I organized things into really three areas. Um, one, what are strategies that you need to think about before you even start reading? Mm -hmm. uh, two, what are strategies that you can use while you're reading? And third, what are strategies that you can use after you finish reading uh, to become a more effective student or, or lawyer. And um, each of these um, sections becomes important to, to think about. Um, once you do it a few times, um, you start doing it automatically. And, and I'll give some um, examples of what these strategies look like. So the first strategy is the one that we've already talked about, which is know your purpose um, and think about that before you start start reading a case, because that will shape how you go about noticing different things. Mm -hmm. um, the second strategy is to pretend that you are one of the parties in the case. Read as an advocate. Uh, pretend that you're the plaintiff or the defendant. Um, pretend that you're the the state who's prosecuting someone for a crime or that you're representing the uh the defendant so uh when, and every I, go I, ahead I, sorry I have a, so my question sorry so when um a student's reading for briefing does it matter if they defend if they it does when a student's reading for briefing does it matter if they pretend that they're the state or the defendant or does it matter what side you take no, it doesn't matter at all. And you can pretend also that you're the judge okay. and that you have to make a decision. Okay. But what happens is that this makes you read actively. You, it actually makes you care about what the result is, because if you're representing someone, you care a lot and you become a much more active reader. And all the studies that were done on this, every single one found that the most important thing in adopting a critical reading strategy that would turn you into a successful student was this one, becoming an active reader and, and taking a side. Um, and and it, it seems simple, but, but I've done it before. And I did this in one case that I was working on um, with some students. And we they, they, they started reading so carefully that they noticed that the court had made a mistake in the opinion. And I ended up advising the Kentucky Supreme Court of this, wow. um, but because they were looking at it really carefully and, and they cared. So, so pretending that you're an advocate is, is really uh, powerful. I love um, that. I'm like, I'm getting excited just thinking about rereading a case from that perspective and I'm going to advise my students to do that from day one. Yeah. It invests you in the process versus an obligation. I love that. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, in, um, 
in in the critical reading book, there are little um, charts that um, contain quotations from students who have done this um, um, uh, read actively or or not read actively. And um, one of my favorites um, was a um, high-performing student who stated as he was reading, he put himself in the role of the decision maker, mm -hmm. and he evaluated mm -hmm. what the outcome of the case should be. And, and one of the students who was in the bottom of his class said, I usually read cases um, out of fear of being called on in class. I don't want to look like a fool. So I just want to know the basics. Uh -huh. And that is not an effective way of, um, of reading. Right. Uh, right. So, so this is a really powerful... <laughs> exactly. Um, so, so a third way... A third strategy that is very helpful to have before you start reading a case is to understand um, how cases are set up. What is the structure of cases? Because we know that if we know the structure of anything, it's easier to figure it out. And most cases are set up in a particular way. We have uh, procedural history. We have the facts. We have precedent. We have um, sometimes the court refers to an issue, there's a holding, and there's usually some reasoning. Mm -hmm. So there are patterns here. And if we understand what these patterns are, we can um, more efficiently go through cases. Mm -hmm. It's also very helpful to have a rudimentary understanding of procedure, civil procedure and criminal procedure, and just understand some of the basic terms, because these kinds of words are interspersed through all kinds of cases. And if you don't understand basic procedure, it just makes it a lot more difficult to understand what's going on. So, so it's worth spending a little bit of time understanding um, procedural issues. Yeah. Um, the, the, the last two before reading strategies mm -hmm. are um, understanding the concept of the context of a case. And and what I mean by that is when you read a book, you tend to read the title first. And the title tells us a lot about what's coming up. Um, if there are headings in a chapter, it really helps to read the headings because they explain what's coming up. So if we have a, a general sense of what a case is about before we start reading it, what is the topic it's going to um, address, then... Um, uh, we are much more able to um, understand what's what's coming up, um, and uh, there's little exercises that have been done by researchers where they had a paragraph and people tried to read it without a title, and it was just gobbledygook. They didn't understand it at all. And once they put the title on, mm -hmm. they knew that all the author was really trying to explain was how do you wash clothes. <laughs> and it was it's just so dramatic mm -hmm. because without that title how do you wash clothes it, it was real it's it, the paragraph is really incomprehensible but as as soon as you know that it makes it um understandable so if you're reading a case for um in a that has for a class that has a textbook um there's a table of contents mm -hmm. and uh the, generally the professor gives out a syllabus so if you go back to that table of contents and you know that a particular topic is um, the focus for this this case, um, that simple title can really help you um, understand. If you're reading a case that's reported, 
You can go to the case summary or the head notes, and that really gives you a lot of information about um, what's coming up. You know, um, all, I, I, have to say, I have to say, you know, when I'll, I'll be teaching, let's say, a contracts case, and a case may have two issues in it. Let's say it has offer and it has statute of frauds. And I'll ask the student what the important issue is, and they may say it's offer, but that day in the syllabus, we're studying statute of frauds. So I always say to the students mm-hmm. exactly what you're saying. Look at what, what are we studying today? Um, but, but the connection that you make is figure out before you read the case, what is it you're supposed to be studying for that class that you're reading the case for? That's an ex- excellent point. Exactly. And, and one of the most, the earliest studies on this topic found that lawyers knew what a case was about before they started reading, whereas non-lawyers had no clue. And they were floundering. So So it was a a big distinction. (laughs) There's a a big distinction. And then the last thing that is useful to think about doing before you start reading more carefully is to do an overview of the case. Mm -hmm. Go from beginning Mm -hmm. to end. Spend maybe a minute just going through and figuring out what happened at the end. It's not like a mystery where you have to wait until you get to the end. You really want to know who won, who lost, who the parties are, and get a sense of it. Um, before you start, how is it set up? Um, what do I need to pay attention to? And um, in in casebook cases, um, you have to pay attention to everything because it's already been edited. Um, in actual cases, there are going to be sections that are not particularly pertinent to what you're interested in. Mm-hmm. So if you can get a sense of, do I have to read the whole thing or do I just read the section on uh, – um, this particular offer, then uh, that really makes your reading much more efficient. Um, so those are all things to think about before you even begin reading a case. Um, once you dive in, well, can you to just summarize? The, can you summarize really quickly? What the, so what did it? Just to summarize, so what, what you want to do? Be, yeah, to summarize before you um, begin reading, you want to make sure you understand your purpose. Mm-hmm. You want to. Pick one side or to be an advocate and or, or pretend that you're the judge. Mm-hmm. You want to remember how cases are structured so that you can find things easily. Mm-hmm. And you want to understand what the context is by going to your syllabus or table of contents so you know what's the general topic. And then do a quick overview um, of the entire case. Just skim through it real quickly and see how long is it, what happened at the end, who are the parties. And, and all these steps should really take no more than a couple minutes. It's not going to add any major time to your um, reading, but it's going to get you oriented to to read. Um, the other piece that I'll just throw out is make sure this is a good time for you to be reading. Make sure you can focus um, and um, be attentive to to what's going on, um, and and you're in the mental state to do this um, because that's important too. Um, I tell my students that um, the best law student is not the person who can sit the longest. The best law student is someone who can focus for a reasonable period of time, take a break. Engage in exercise because exercise helps your brain function better, mm-hmm. and then go back to it for another piece of um, reasonable time. No one can read for hours on end and comprehend anything. Right. So, so keep that in mind um, as well. Our goal is to understand the main ideas in a case. Um, there's a big push in law school to brief cases and separate out the facts, the issue, the holding, and the reasoning. 
But it's important to understand that what's really going on here is that we're trying to understand the main idea in the case. You can't separate out cases into nice phrases that I'm going to use for one purpose or another. You need to have a much more holistic approach in understanding what's going on generally in the case. Um, so understanding the main ideas is is really extremely important. Um, uh, the um, There are ways in which you can do that, and there are some um, strategies that can, can be used to um, understand parts of cases that are um, more difficult to understand because some parts of cases are going to be pretty easy to understand and some are going to be more difficult. Um, there are what I call large-scale strategies um, and more um, small-scale strategies. And some of the large-scale strategies we've talked about already, making sure we understand the context. Um, rereading. Every lawyer rereads case parts of cases, and that's to be expected. Um, on a large-scale um, sense, we can look at topic sentences. Everyone did that as undergrads. Look at the first sentence and see if that helps you figure out what's really going on in a, um, in a paragraph. Um, the small-scale strategies are also very helpful. Um, and what I mean by that is looking up any words you don't understand. Um, words have... Um, there are many legal terms that you're going to come upon, and you really do need to read with a dictionary. Um, sometimes there are legal meanings that are very different from the normal meaning of a word, and it's important to be able to uh, figure that out. Um, it's important in reading law to notice conjunctions. Ands and ors can make all the difference in the world in in understanding a uh, a rule or a test. Um, it's very interesting if you start looking to see if words have been repeated, because very often courts will repeat key terms, and you can help figure out a meaning of a passage that is really hard to understand by just counting up words that are, are used on a, on a regular basis. Um, and then um, it, it can also help to just put periods into long sentences. Sometimes judges write very long sentences. You can just put in a period and divide the sentence up into parts, and that can really help with um, understanding. And the last thing that can really help students um, is to read sections out loud. Uh, you can read them out loud to, to a friend, to yourself, um, to your dog. It doesn't really matter. But but that reading out loud slows you down and and makes things much more understandable. And why, um, why oh, oh, I was going to say, you really think it does help you? Because um, I would think if I'm reading out loud, I'd feel a little self-conscious. Well, um, you might, but you might just want to read a couple sentences out loud. And, and again, what that does is it slows you down and it, things start making more sense. Um, so it's, it's worth a try. It's not for everyone, but, um, but some people have found it, um, very helpful. Okay. Uh, and then as we're reading, we need to keep in mind our purpose, which is to figure out what the rules are in a case. Mm -hmm. What is important? What is the general idea here that we can then use to carry over for, um, to solve a, another legal problem? 
And um, and that, again, we need to keep our purpose in mind as we're we're going through this this process. Once we've gone through a case, reread, um, looked up words, um, get a sense of what the main idea is, then we enter the after reading phase, and what we're going to have to do there is evaluate the decision. Um, we need to decide if this case is going to be useful for us to use to solve a different um, legal problem. So so the students have pre-read the case. They've read the case, read it out loud, um, read it actively, what have you. But what about the student, you know, I, I know you're saying we should decide whether we're going to use the case. I'm thinking about the student who's reading it for purposes of briefing the case. Right. Well, we're going to get to briefing the case. Okay. The brief okay. is really just our summary of the case. Okay. The brief is not the be-all and end-all. Um, and the reason that we need to think about how we're going to evaluate the case is that um, the um, – Higher performing students mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. that during a trial, and this I'm quoting from one of one of the top students, each side presents is its version of the facts and the court by looking at prior cases. Every every side has a different argument. Right. Um, uh, another student remarked, "Gee, there are different interpretations of what happened depending upon what what side of the case you are on." Mm -hmm. um, lower performing students have the view that there's one way of interpreting an opinion, and if a judge wrote a good opinion, everyone would probably read it in pretty much the same way, and that is simply not the case. Everyone reads an opinion in a different way, so we need to think in terms of how can we use this case to make an argument pro or con when we're representing a client and and recognize that there isn't only one way of looking at um, court decisions. Um, and that's what makes it fun to be a lawyer right, right, and right. challenging. Right. right, it's true. But I guess what, I, what, I, what I'm going back to is this idea that if you're a law student, right, you have to. You have no choice to decide what cases are being. You know, I'm sorry. If you're listening, you have no choice to decide whether you're going to use this case because you have to use every case that's been assigned to you, right? So do you? Skip, Absolutely. So do you skip? But that what you are going to do is. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No. What you are going to do use do as a law student though, is you're going to be asked to make arguments pro and con. Okay. And you're going to be asked to, well, what arguments did the plaintiff make in this case? Or what arguments did the defendant make in this case? Um, and um, who's right? Because it could be that your exam question mm -hmm. um, has facts in it, and your professor is going to want to see if you understand how these different arguments can be, can be made. I'm going to reframe it for you, and you can tell me if you agree with this. It's not so much if you're going to use the case, but how you would use the case. Exactly. Okay. okay. Exactly. Okay. And, and that's an important part of the, read, the critical reading process. Mm -hmm. It's not just a matter of reading it to find out what's the law, mm -hmm. um, because that's, it's just not that simple. It's what kinds of arguments can be made pro and con, and, um, and that's what you're going to be expected to do um, for an exam. Got it. Um, so, um, and after you do this, mm -hmm. 
Then you have the fun of synthesizing the cases and taking one or two or three or five cases and figuring out, gee, how do they all fit together? Mm-hmm. How, how, how can I put these together so that I can have a rule that I can use um, that combines um, the general rule, maybe some exceptions, and um, maybe some other kinds of, of, of theories here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and that's, again, part of the after-reading process. What are you going to do with this case? And everyone, all law students do that when they're outlining. Mm-hmm. They are synthesizing cases. They're trying to figure out how do these different concepts fit together. Now, I haven't said a whole lot about briefing cases. Um, I think taking notes when you read a case is very important. Um, it's also very important to take notes in your own words. I'm going to totally underscore that because I think, and you can agree with me or not, that the biggest mistake students make is taking briefs off the Internet because it robs them of the critical reading, which is the skill that they need, as you say over and over both here and in your book, Critical Reading for Success in the Law School and Beyond, of doing well in law school. Exactly. If if all you're doing is taking cases off the internet, you're not learning anything. Right. Um, and and the problem is that once you get out of practice, you're not going to find the cases on the internet. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, you're going to have to start reading cases on your own with no practice. So why spend all this money for law school if you're not going to learn the skills that you need once you get out in practice? So so getting stuff off the internet is is really cheating yourself. Yeah, um, that's what I say. It's you robbing have to, yourself. You, 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 exactly. You're you're basically um, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, but you want to keep these briefs short. These are short summaries. Um, you want to use a, any kind of abbreviations that are useful. You, there's no reason to write out full words. Um, and you want to paraphrase. You can't just cut and paste something from the internet you have to the act of paraphrasing really helps you process new information it makes you understand it and read it and and frankly briefing cases is part of studying for finals mm-hmm. and it's a process that happens throughout the um the semester uh one thing that's really helpful to do in your briefs is to um ask questions um think about um questions that you don't un- things that you don't understand, um, or maybe think about um, hypotheticals or new factual situations, because that's the kind of stuff that's going to be on your final exam. And, and, and that's the kind of stuff that makes you the active reader, that you're engaged. It's almost like as you're talking, I'm kind of thinking about this as an interactive experience, that the case is giving you information, and you're talking back to the case, giving it information, and you're interfacing with the case <laughs> um, in a way. I'm exactly. Kind of, so. And that's a great way of, of describing it. You're having a conversation with the case. Mm-hmm. And, and in a way, it's sort of like a mini oral argument. That's the kind of conversation you're going to have with courts um, once you start practicing. You're, there's going to be back and forth. Um, but the, the other piece that, that I think helps students be active readers is to realize that every case involves probably the most important thing that has ever happened to the people involved in the case. You know, we, we go through these cases and we're tired and it's late and we feel overwhelmed. But the reality is that every one of these cases involves real people 
who had real issues and and what happened to them was probably the worst thing that ever happened to them in their lives hmm. and and it's important to keep that in mind as as we're going through these because this represents how our 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 government um assists people in in resolving disputes and um and i think it's it's really be, behooves us um as law students and advocates to to remember that so it's critical and empathetic reading. Exactly. I love that. Exactly. I love that. Excellent. Excellent. Well, um, these have been excellent points and ones that I think I'm going to take into the classroom when I go back in in um, January. So I really appreciate this. Again, your book, Critical Reading for Success in Law School and Beyond, is really spectacular. I highly recommend it. I know that some of my colleagues here at Pace, um, um, what's the word, that they assign it, and I thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Well, thank you. So that's my excellent discussion with Professor Jane Grisey. Hope you enjoyed it. Once again, I want to remind you it would be super helpful if you could like us, rate us, give us great feedback on Spotify, iTunes, whatever platform you listen to us. I want to also remind you that everything's organized by topic on our website, www.lawdefact.com. And as always, you can reach us at at lawdefact at gmail.com or Twitter at lawdefact. Hope you enjoyed your day. Thanks as always to www.bensound.com. Have a great day.